Telling you, bro. What's been happening, bro? Uh, not too much. Still hitting more Peggyos. All right, hey everybody, welcome back to the Riff Raff. July, New Orleans, Louisiana, little time off. Came back down here to chill for a minute. Uh, it's hot. Actually, it's not too bad outside today. In my studio, I haven't used this in forever, and I'm just trying out some new mics. Good excuse to do it. T-shirts, I still have a few T-shirts. Every time I put out an episode, I sell a bunch of them, but I still have some XLs and larges left. Not a lot of larges, but some XLs. So uh, this will probably be the last chance. Hopefully I'll sell all of them. And uh, they're great T-shirts. They're high-quality cotton. High cotton, I think they say. So uh, if you go to my website, you can order and find all the information on that. Enough of that. Let's get on with the show. And the first thing we're going to do is we're going to have to tune up. So we're going to do a little tune called the tuning tune. Today my guest is Emily Hughes. Emily is a filmmaker, amongst other things, and um, she is also the daughter of the late, great Lenny Bro, jazz guitar genius, pioneer, seven-string guitar, harp harmonics, and just one of the most brilliant guitar players ever. Like many of the geniuses in, of our time, like Charlie Parker and Jaco Pastorius, his life uh, did have sort of a tragic ending, and uh, well, it did have a tragic ending. And he was found in a swimming pool. I think it was 1984, and they never really solved the case. Although his wife at the time is the prime suspect. You'll hear about it. Um, Emily talks about this, uh, but anyway all the positive things he left behind the many 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 hours of recorded music the great records i had uh lenny bro trio when i was a kid and still love that record emily reached out to me about being a guest on riff raff to discuss the new movie she made about her dad called the genius of lenny bro remembered the first movie this is the second one the first one she did which i saw which is really great came out in um, 1999 called The Genius of Lenny Bra. I strongly recommend you check it out. It's really a great, great documentary. And the one we're talking about today, the new one is called The Genius of Lenny Bra Remembered. It's sort of an updated version of that. 
and both of them are I strongly recommend. One disclaimer on this episode, um, I had to do this via Skype, which for those of you that have tuned in a long time know that I never do interviews Skype, but I made this exception for Emily. She's in Canada, so logistically this is the only way this would happen. And I thought it was such an important message to get across, her dad's music and this movie and the beautiful work she's done. So please excuse some of the audio. You know, I'm not the best at uh, recording things via Skype this way, Uh, but I think it sounds all right, and the message is clear. So I hope you'll enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll enjoy what Emily has to say about her dad and some of these neat stories. And, you know, pick up a Lenny Bro record. Check out the movie. The website, everything is given uh, during the podcast. Emily will give all this information. It's easy to find. LennyBro.com. Enjoy. All right. Well, I am sitting here. Usually I'm sitting with the guests one-on-one, but today we're doing it via Skype, which is a new thing, but a special thing. And I'm with Emily Hughes. And Emily is the daughter of Lenny Bro, the genius guitar player. I was flattered that you guys contacted me to you know be on the podcast of course i'm a big fan lenny bro so we're just going to chat about the movie and you know dad's life and everything and how you doing emily i'm good i'm good uh i'm happy to to chat with you and yeah my assistant becca um i i just got hip to podcast so I'm always late with everything. So I, you know, just, you know, found out about how many wonderful podcasts there are and how great it is to be able to tune into the ones that are, that are interesting for me anyway. So Isn't it amazing? I know. Yeah, it really is cool. So I'm happy to be a part of it. Thank you. Well, you know, it's funny is um, I was out, where was this? It was a few weeks ago, you guys contacted me and the day before I got an email from Becca, I was in the dressing room. I was out with uh, Hall & Oates doing mm-hmm. a tour, and I'm sitting backstage with John Oates about to go on stage, and we're playing around on guitar, and I started doing these little harp harmonics. I mean, I'm terrible at it, nothing like your yeah. dad, but I, I studied a little <laughs> bit. And John goes, man, what is that? I said, that's yeah. Lenny Bro harp harmonics. And he goes, Lenny Bro. And we started talking about Lenny Bro. And the saxophone player also plays guitar, and he's like, oh, yeah, Lenny, bro. We start talking about your dad, and I mentioned the documentary, um, mm-hmm. The Genius of Lenny, bro, which we'll talk about. And mm-hmm. and it's like the next day I get an email. You know, it's so crazy. So, I don't know, maybe it's meant to oh, be. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's very cool. Well, there's yeah. definitely a buzz right now, you know. So, all these all these things are happening. Like, Beck and I were sitting here working, and all of a sudden, my dad came on the radio, and it's like, oh, is that an omen? No, He's it's because there's a big, there's a buzz yeah. right now. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and I have to tell you this, my first concert as a little kid was Hall & Oates. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, my, my older cousin got tickets, and I kind of grew up in a jazz vacuum. My mom was uh, a jazz singer, um, and, you know, I top 40 radio was I should just never heard it until I was out of the house kind of thing because you know so uh that was a treat for me to you know hear something other than Sun Ra and Miles Davis <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like oh yeah. I can dance to this yeah. yeah so it was fun yeah and I remember I had a, a crush on on John oh wow. he was yeah. he was so cute and yeah we were right in the front and yeah, so that's so that's really cool that that yeah. whole connection. Yeah. Well, I, as we we're talking, I, I had to dig out my old. Um, I have a, a Lenny Bro trio on vinyl that I got probably when I was thirteen, 
And I used to stare at this cover all the time. And it's a picture of your dad playing. I think it's one of the Tom Holmes guitars that were built maybe in Nashville or whatever. But, um, you know, it's so funny to, I used to look at this name, you know, because my name's Terrio, which is French Canadian origin. And I used to look at bro and I was like, is that bro like B-R-E-U-X? And I guess maybe it was because I think um, father was a French Canadian origin. Is that right? Yeah. Well, uh, my grandmother was, yeah, she was from La Belle, Quebec. And um, her family ended up moving to the state of Maine, which is kind of interesting. In the state of Maine, there's a few little towns that are like 75% French Canadian. They all moved there. I can't remember if it was the textile industry or the lumber industry needed workers. And so they have this really fun accent that's a fusion of uh, French Canadian and New England and just like a charming little vibe there. And, And so Lenny's first language was actually French. A lot of people don't know that. And uh, But the name Bro, see, that's my grandfather's name, and, and uh, unfortunately, I don't know enough about his history, um, his ethnic background. Uh, he was passed away um, before I got a chance to get to know him. So, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if he was French, too. I, you know, there yeah. were a lot of French Canadians that were exiled from uh, Nova Scotia. That was all my family, and it's probably, there's a, all these variations on the same spelling. Absolutely. Up in, you know, so yes. I think we got, yes. you know. We were probably on the boat together at some point, all our ancestors getting kicked out by the British. (laughs) But anyway. That's true. But anyway, yeah, yeah, you know, um, before we get into it, I I watched The the Genius of Lenny Bro. That was, I guess, late 90s. It was a great movie, and it was just amazing to see you in there. And it was really cool to see a few people I knew, like Phil Degree. I mean, you just, you know, your dad had such a wide reach on people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Phil wasn't in the first film, but he was in the second one. If you, so, did you watch the second film? I did. Film? I watched the second one too. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Phil, and I actually just was emailing with Phil this morning. He is such a hoot. Like what a character, oh, yeah. what a brilliant guy. So he's actually, we're flying him up. I'm going to have a launch party screening uh, for the second film, which is called uh, The Genius of Lenny Bro Remembered. And uh, mm-hmm. originally it was just going to be bonus tracks, you know, how you get at the end of a documentary, some little short bonus right. tracks. But there was so much material coming in and so many people to talk to and so many great recordings. Everybody turned on a recorder when he was around. So I get goodie packages in the mail still all these wow. years after he's been gone. And, uh, yeah, so then it ended up to be a feature-length thing. It's its own documentary comprised of five chapters. We kind of broke it up into featurettes, and and uh, I decided to just not go with a broadcaster, just debut it on the new official website, and that was a good choice. It's doing really well. Uh, TV and was kind of in transition like music, so broadcasters can kind of be like a big record label where mm-hmm. you're making sacrifices and waiting for dough. And so, yep. um, so I decided I just wanted to, you know, maintain complete control, and so we've released it for uh, rent or, or you can purchase it or rent it on the site and, and – uh, it's doing really, really well. I had no idea what an international audience my dad has. Like we, we can track all the analytics, and there's guys in India watching this wow, film. Wow, that's amazing! Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. Now, just to just to clarify, the new movie is called "The Genius of Lenny Bro Remembered," right? Yes. And yes. The, so the first one is "The Genius of Lenny Bro," and then yeah. this sort of goes a little deeper. I missed some aspects of his personality. And then as you get older and go through life, you know, my listening's different. I'm hearing his music different. 
Um, I've heard more stories about some of the darker issues. I have more understanding, I think, about, you know, uh, what his day-to-day life was like now. And so, yeah, I find that, um, you know, the, the newer film is just, just a little deeper, yeah. a little more gr- gritty. Right. I, I Just to refresh, I watched the first one uh, all over, mm-hmm. and then I watched the new one, and I saw exactly oh, what you're talking about. I mean, there's some, you know, there was some tragedy in there, not unlike a lot of geniuses like Jaco Pastorius or Charlie Parker, your dad, you know, that the chapter Beyond Reasonable Doubt, you know, it was pretty, it's, it's just sort of unnerving because don't really know what happened, but, you know. Well, I uh, feel like I know what happened. Well, but, I, I know, I just... Yeah, <laughs> I know what you're saying, but but yeah, I mean there is it's unsolved. Yeah, it's unsolved. It's it's just yeah, yes. justice hasn't been served, I guess. Um, That's right. But you That's delve right. into it, and and you know you can watch that segment of it, and it's kind of it's really tragic. But hopefully, it has the case been reopened. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> there's some fantastic outgrowths that have come from my projects. Uh, when he died in '84. Uh, There were several mistakes made at the crime scene and just not enough attention given to it. I think he was written off as, you know, being an addict in a crazy relationship. And I don't know, it was a a murder every six seconds in L.A. probably. And so they just didn't give it enough attention. And they didn't have the advances in forensic science and that kind of thing. Um, And so uh, when I was strong enough emotionally, I, I made contact with the LAPD and and recently we were in L.A., we, we went to shoot a couple interviews, and I went in to see them, and it, it's been such a good thing because they didn't really have a concept of who he was and what a huge loss right. it is to so many people. And so they ended up taking uh, the biography, there's a great biography called One Long Tune, um, and so they took that, they're, they've read that, they've watched that murder track that you just talked about, and so they're really motivated, it's really stimulated things, and so they've actually, you know, gotten on a plane and went and interviewed some people in Florida who were my dad and, and his wife at the time's neighbor. Wow. Neighbors. And uh, yeah, yeah, to really get a sense of the dynamic there. And so, yeah, things are, yeah, it's uh, it's happening. So, I mean, I mean, I don't hold my breath uh, for this, uh, you know, for, for her to be prosecuted necessarily. She's an old lady. and But... For her to know, like at the very least, I think they're going to knock on her door and for her to know like, hey, you took a life and, uh, you know, you better watch behind your back until you die because you never know. You might you might get taken to task yet. Right. You know. Yeah. I mean, Um, because they dismissed it as uh, well, they found that. He he had actually been strangled and didn't die in the swimming pool, and all his manuscript paper and his guitar was laying right there on the. So it wasn't a wasn't like a drug dealer, probably. So no, is that definitely correct? not. Yeah, yeah, and he he knew it was coming. He uh, he called my grandma that morning and sort of prophesied his own death. It's really eerie. Mm. So he felt the vibes, and and you know he he tried to get away from her. There was two or three restraining orders, and. He was really scared. I mean, it's a textbook abuse case, and and it becomes even more heartbreaking for me as I meet person after person, player after player, who says, your dad was so humble. You know, I've played with so many musicians, and a lot of them... A lot of them are great musicians, but they're not really great guys. Right. And not one person has ever said, Lenny was such an asshole. I mean, he did some selfish things right. because of his addiction at times. You know, would 
pawn instruments or, you know, things like that. But, uh, you know, in terms of his disposition and his humility, he was so loved and so gentle. So it's heartbreaking for me to think of how how he died and what he endured at the hands yeah. of this well, psychopath, I, you know. One one theme throughout, you know, the... the um the new the genius letting bro remember it is that you know the humbleness you know there was one of your mm-hmm. uh one of the people that said i could sum up his life in one word he was very humble but even though yes. he was a genius you know he never really talked crap about people and he was just you know it, and so you you find that amongst dozens of people in the movie so you know it had to be honest uh, a representation of what he was like you know yeah um, and that i'm really proud of that uh, humility that he had and um and it wasn't a put on thing because there's sort of a fake humility that you see people put on because it's <laughs> you know but then there's a huge ego underneath it it's sort of a facade but he was genuinely humble like he he said he hated when chet atkins would introduce him as the greatest guitar player in the world and and it's funny because i just watched the jocko doc I was a little mm-hmm. late getting to that one. And he was the opposite. I mean, I'm a huge fan. But he was <laughs> announced that he was the greatest, whereas Lenny hated that title, mm-hmm. you know. So it's just interesting. It's interesting. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about, you know, how he struggled with um, being a true artist versus, you know, having to do music he didn't like to make money. And I know I, I saw in one of, the, one of the scenes where he, somebody was talking about he took a gig with Ann Murray. And uh-huh. um, how he he just said, ah, I'm just doing this shit to make money, but I don't know. But yeah. um, it's funny because on this Lenny Bro Trio record, the first cut is "You Needed Me," which I think was an <laughs> Anne Murray hit. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think she wrote it, but yeah, she definitely. Yeah, she, that's how I know. knew it. Yeah, my yeah, mom. Yeah, that, that was her. Way. Well, you know, and that's interesting, uh, but it's certainly not how he would have had to play it on tour with her, right? melody because because of his country roots i i've speculated you know mm-hmm. um and so he loved a simple melody that he could take and sort of take you around the world with it you know so he he might have a, a country tune and you and you'll hear spanish flamenco and east indian sitaristic stuff and but then you know still be able to sort of bring it back home and you know to a kind of a country folksy kind of vibe, which still fascinates me to this day. You know, oh, like yeah. a tr- or like Phil said in the track, a true fusionist. Yeah. Long before it was trendy to be a fusion player, you know. Yeah, and the reason I mentioned Phil, I um, he sent me an email like, oh God, it's a long time ago now, six seven years ago, that he he found a lesson that he took with Lenny, and uh, someone posted it 
on uh, I'll, I'll put an excerpt here but it's it's phil when he was 25 years old sitting with lenny in nashville and he said it was wow. the most amazing day of his life he took this whole lesson and then after that they went hang out with chet atkins <laughs> yeah like, wow that sounds like That's... a dream yeah <laughs> yeah I got this for 400. Yeah, you told me they run about eight, though, huh? You can get it here in Nashville, huh? Yeah. They, I, I, I Is this it. the only place you can get it? No, no, like they made in Japan. Well, we were just in New Orleans not long ago, and, and that was a dreamy, uh, I, what were we there, nine days or something, an absolute dream. And a big part of why it was so special was hanging with Phil, because he's such a brilliant player and such a funny guy. He's very you funny. Know? He's very and original. Such a, such a foodie. So we just ate in these fantastic restaurants and drank great wine. And, oh, good. Glad you had yeah, a good time. Yeah, talked about Lenny. And uh, yeah, no, it's what a, what a cool city. I had never been there. I loved it. You know, things about your your dad, I mean, because it's sort of a guitaristic podcast. I mean, we, he's another quote in the movie that I thought was accurate. Somebody said he was he was very technically gifted, but he had he had the ability to improvise but still connect with people i mean you could just sit down and entertain people even the person that's not into all the little nuances and subtle things he would do all the things that guitar players would just drop drop their jaw about you know he could entertain anybody you know, that was the thing it transcended yeah. technique that's the thing i liked about his playing Loved yeah it. and you know and where another way that you see that is his fan base you know that that I can be in, you know, uh, a jazz club in New York or at the Chet Atkins Appreciation Society convention with a bunch of guys going, that's not how he did it. This is how he did it, you right. know, like for the Chet thing. <laughs> right. They're all wanting to parrot Chet. But you know what? They they love Lenny there and they love Lenny in the, in the jazz clubs and the classical players love Lenny. And, and that's rare. Like a lot of the, a lot of the players are hip to each other, but they don't necessarily have that passion and deep respect. And I just see that in every genre and it just blows me away. Yeah. And so that, that's what you're saying is that, uh, he could reach anybody. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. It, it just transcended any sort of genre and, and guitar technique. I mean, he, it, if you're like an advanced guitar player, you could tune in and catch what he was doing and be like, wow, this is something special. But if you were just an average person, just wanted to hear a nice melody, it was all there. You know, it was, yes. it didn't go over people's heads. Mm -hmm. um, and that's mind blowing really to play stuff that's so incredibly sophisticated, but maintain that, you know, that makes it relatable to everybody. Right. It's just, it's, it's, yeah, you're right. It's just so rare, so rare.
Is there a favorite um, piece of music of his that you like? I think he had a piece called Emily, didn't he? Yeah, well, of course. Of course, that would probably be it. Well, I mean, I love it all. I have every note of every tune memorized. I wish I could play it, but I haven't memorized. Um, but um, I love uh, his uh, McCoy Tyner's vision. Oh, I don't know, I've seen it singular and plural. I don't know if it's vision or visions, but have you heard that? It's I, so I good. have, yeah, and I've seen it as vision, yeah, singular. Yeah, I love yeah. it. So that's that's one that I love. And then, of course, there's a there's a flamenco tune on the living room tapes, which mm-hmm. uh, was recorded in Maine uh, with the clarinetist. I don't know if you've heard that stuff. Yeah, some um, of it. I used to have that years ago. I'll have to dig it up again. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you're you're a, you're a serious fan. You know, oh, no. It. Yeah, so definitely. You know your stuff. <laughs> definitely. I had a living room, and, and I had, um, like I said, Lenny Trio, and um, there was one I had with Five O'Clock Bells, and then he did one called Tune Up. I think it was uh, um, Ted Green would talk about it. I love that you had Ted Green, by the way, because he was the perfect person to describe your dad's playing. I mean, he like like your dad, he was a superhuman on guitar and, and he was uh, and he's greatly missed you know he was a oh, I brilliant miss him. genius I, I, I had so much fun I I mean what a privilege this has been to meet guys like that you know and I uh, I remember walking into his place and it was like floor to ceiling literature and I don't even think there was furniture maybe he had <laughs> one or two chairs and I remember going to the bathroom there was even books filling the tub and I remember thinking where does he bathe? Wow. He doesn't stink, so he must bathe, but <laughs> I don't know where he's doing it. <laughs> it was just such a cool thing. And, and then at one point, just, you know, this is the stuff that's special to the daughter is that we walked to this little corner store and got, you know, chips and pop and flipped through the guitar magazines together. And that was amazing hearing uh-huh. his little comments about things and talking about my dad. And so those, those, uh, parts of of this journey where the cameras are off and we hang after and go for dinners and stuff those are to me the most magical oh yeah i'm sure you know yeah Is there anything new that you learned, like doing this new movie versus the first one, first time around? I mean, um, I think that um, a, a number of things. I think that well, I'm hearing the music differently, so I've learned that. Uh, and and guitarist Bob Thompson, 
Thompson said this, that, you know, with the harmonics, everybody says, oh, that's Lenny. And, and, uh, and of course, Chet did it first, but it was more of an embellishment at the end of a tune. And Lenny sort of put it on the map because he could do it for 10 minutes. Oh, yeah, you yeah. Know? Well, and, Johnny and Smith, I think, maybe originated and Chet oh, got it. Oh, he did. And then okay. your, your dad took it to, like, it, nobody has come close to that, you know. Yeah. So, so you hear it and people say, oh, that's Lenny Bro. But, you know, Bob pointed out, he said, that's actually one of the easier things that, uh, uh, in terms of Lenny's innovations. And, and right. here's all these other things. When Bobby Stanton, who teaches a Lenny Bro Techniques class at, at uh, Berkeley, talked about everything he covers, you realize there's an encyclopedia of innovations. The, the harmonics are, tend to be what people talk about right. first, but there's so much more. And so now at, at this age, when I listen, I'm listening to you know recordings I've heard a bazillion times, and I go, oh, because I hear something new almost every time like what is he doing that's insane yeah it's very dense yeah. with harmonic and he would you know for those of you listening and, and correct me if i'm wrong emily but um lenny would would uh he was one of the first guys to use a seven string guitar i think he was definitely the first one to put a high a instead of a low yeah. b and he would right. use a piece of fishing twine so he could tune it up that's to right. get it that yeah. high and so he he would play the melody on the high strings it was a very uh pianistic approach so he's playing melody chords i mean it sounds like two or three people and then he would do things like he you know i heard him do a chet atkins thing but he would play two different melodies but like two different time signatures it was ridiculous i know, <laughs> I know. it is it is it's just and, and and sort of the the more mature that my listening is you know year after year of listening to so much guitar stuff you know I, i'm hearing things differently so that so that's would would be one of the biggest things that i've learned but i've also learned um about the struggle um that comes with addiction and junk in particular and i have enormous compassion for how sick they get you know when they're trying to kick because i've seen people uh, go through it you know, in my life, and uh, right. my son has a friend who went through, and, and I saw how sick and tortured he was. And so I have compassion for that, that he went through that, tried to kick several times, but while he was going through that, he was also dealing with a highly abusive spouse, you know, often broke, right. and struggling financially and under pressure that way. Um, you know, just trying to be a, a jazz player, period, is challenging enough at times you know and to still pick up your guitar and play like that when you're when you're going through all that you're either you know going through withdrawal or you know uh, feeling shame you know when I think of everything he went through and that he was still able to be so brilliant on his instrument that just blows me away so those are sort of revelations that have come to me at this stage and and also um his humor so many funny stories like he i i interviewed uh, tommy chong in la mm -hmm. yeah and, i saw uh, from cheech and chong yeah, yeah he's got yeah. some great stories he does yeah and so he talked about lenny 
Chinese humor. And it's interesting because Cheech and Chong, I mean, they have that stoner humor, which I didn't necessarily relate to. I hadn't really seen a lot of it, but I sort of dismissed it as because I didn't think it was funny. But then when I went to his house, heard him talk, I mean, he's he's uh, really hip and knows a lot of jazz history. He's just a very cool guy. And um, and he was really passionate about Lenny and his playing. And but he said that Lenny inspired a lot of Cheech and Chong's material. And at first I was like, oh, really? I don't know if that's a a compliment. (laughs) (laughs) But then I thought about it and I thought, yeah, because he was he was so into the musical thing. Be like, what day is it? Is it Wednesday? You know, or forget where he lived. Yeah, He'd just... move into a house and forget where he lived <laughs> and knock on the neighbor's doors. Do I live here? Do you know where I live? <laughs> I like the story about the uh, trying to, what was it, fill out a um, a card at the, the power you know, gas yeah, company get, or whatever. Get, yeah, to get, <laughs> yeah. And it's it was a, a huge undertaking for him. <laughs> it's like, what do these people want? <laughs> it's resident Yeah, should I write Lenny or Leonard? <laughs> But he'd stand there and contemplate it for five minutes. It was, yeah. So, so you know, just daily tasks were, well, you know, some of it is just not being interested, having deeper things in his brain. Yeah. And then some of it is just, you do become inept if you don't, you know, start doing adult-like things at the expected age. You know, I mean, he just never did have a driver's license. And, and people enabled him. Everybody drove him to gigs and drove him around and... Nobody minded because he was so sweet. And then they were rewarded with this brilliant sound coming from their couch. Right, right. <laughs> so they're like, I'll do anything yeah. to keep this going on. <laughs> <laughs> what do you need? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, a very, uh, very unique artistically, but also character-wise, his humor, his sweetness. And so I just kind of fall in love with his character more and more as I get to know who he was. And I'm so proud. I'm so proud. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's such a beautiful, I mean, both, both movies. I've seen both of them now and I highly recommend both of them. And they're, oh, yeah, they're I'm just so happy beautiful. that you watch those. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, one thing I want to ask you too, I think it's during the, the, uh, at the end of one of the segments, the phone call is hilarious. Like he's somebody, a neighbor is calling about something on fire. How did that happen? And like, how did it get recorded? Well, I'm not, I'm not clear. I think it might have been at Richard Cotton's house, um, who is passed away now, but you know, a Nashville player that Lenny lived with. And, and so his uncle had called and and that was back in the days where the machine would record, you know, if you didn't catch it on time. And so they, got home and discovered this hilarious message had been recorded. So, yeah, this guy's uncle called to tell him about, you know, just some neighborhood stuff. He, a house had caught on fire in some rural area. And uh, so Lenny was just trying to take a message, but it went on and on and oh, on. Oh, it's and hilarious. It was a very Cheech and Chong It's a, it's a uh, you know, uh, um, Dave's not here kind of moment. Yes, definitely. And I played it for Tommy, and he was laughing so hard. It was so fun. <laughs> yeah, he, he's saying, yeah. like, who's calling? <laughs> yeah. Oh, like you're his uncle. Yeah, <laughs> something bad happened there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Some, Sounds like some <laughs> prank call or something. But. It does. It does. Hello? Richard? No, this ain't Richard, man. You want to talk to Richard? Why, why, like, huh? It's not important. Oh, it isn't? Uh, like, who's phoning? Uh, this is Sutter. I was talking to him about a fire earlier. About a what? 
there's a fire. I'm I'm Satter's uncle, living his trailer out in Cotton's farm, and we had a fire in the new house next door. See? You did. You did. I well, I'll tell you what you better do, sir. I'll tell you what you better do. I'm just a friend of his, and I just happened to be here, and he just left. I would say phone him back in about two hours. Yeah. And yeah. tell him about it's it. Important. It's just all burned out. I was going to tell him. That's all. No. You know, what do you mean? Something burned down? Well, it's a new house. Nobody ever lived in it yet. It was a fireball. Was it his house? What? Is it his house? No, it's just next door to his property. We don't know who owns it. Now, where is it? Where's the property? Well, uh, this trailer here, Richard's trailer, is on top of the hill. uh, You know, he was probably stoned, but a lot of it was just his personality, you know, (laughs) which is even more entertaining. He kind of sounds like Mike Stern a little bit on the phone. He's 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 got the same. Yeah, because Mike has that sort of nasally. You're right. (laughs) And I I adore Mike. Oh, me too. So so uh, my dad, I always say my dad is my favorite guitar player, of course. And but then Mike is my second. Yeah. And, and then yeah. Schofield is my third. But I won't go through the whole list. Yeah, well, you're naming good good, good people. They're good people. Yeah. yeah. Well, tell me the name of your... Um, is there a website where people can download this movie or buy it or whatever in, in your website? And um, Yeah, and, uh, I'm really excited. There's a... It was only uh, launched two weeks ago. There's an official Lenny Bro website. It's uh, LennyBro.com. <clears throat> and... Uh, I'm super excited about it. In a world of do-it-yourself, sort of mediocre-looking websites, I I invested a bunch of dough and went to a marketing and branding company and said, I want a beautiful site. I wanted something that was a fitting representation online. I sort of felt like everything in my dad's history was sort of half-assed, like low-budget, not properly promoted, you know, right. or, or he was too unreliable to book, so he didn't get to go to Europe. And, you know, I just feel like there was all these sad injustices. And so I wanted a really beautiful site where, you know, the the community could go and, and share and uh, something that just looked really beautiful. And so I'm really proud of it. So there's uh, both films um, that you can buy or rent. And it's going really well. And there's merch. I've had guys so many times over the years say, I really want a Lenny t-shirt or something. Where can oh, I? yeah. You know, so now that's all there. Some beautiful, we had a beautiful designer design a few different t-shirts and hoodies and that kind of thing. And and those are doing well, too. Yeah, it's, it's very cool. Wow, that's great. I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. That's the website. And then they can get, you know, people can go to the check out the movie and rent it and download it and you know in case you know i never know who's listening to this thing it might reach somebody that you know one day they're going through a box under their bed and they go wow here's the old lenny bro clinic i went to you know maybe somebody might want to send you something i mean can they reach you through facebook or you have a through that website as well yeah through the website there's an an info uh i won't give my personal email but there's an info email that my assistant gets and passes on anything that's uh, that's important. So yeah, I would. I love. You know, I actually heard from a guy in Maine who, thank goodness, videotaped a workshop, and uh, so I've never seen it. So I'll get to go pick that up in in late August. I think the plan is. So yeah. Wow, that's just magic. And, and you know, with the internet now, I mean, people find photos and things like that. You know, it's probably probably great. Yeah. 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 One thing I did uh, 
read up on was um, his guitar was found recently. Was it a few years ago? It showed up in a pawn shop. Is that right? Well, there's a few stories around a few different instruments. I just got one of the Tom Holmes guitars myself. I have it. The first one I've had. Um, but I think the one you're talking about is the Kirk Sands. Yes, the one in Santa and then Barbara. It was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's in Laguna Beach. Yeah. In Laguna Beach. And yeah. his shop, guitar shop. Yeah. So it was funny because he built it and then, yeah, apparently it was found in a pawn shop and it was in rough shape. And I think Kirk actually had to buy it back. Like, I think he paid, you know, I don't know, 12 grand or something, bought his own guitar back basically, and then gave it the TLC it needed. And it's prominently displayed in his shop. And he brings it to the Chet Atkins convention every year and wow. guitar players can go in. He's got it in a case, but you know, they can go in and see it and, and possibly play it. And, wow. uh, yeah, yeah. So that's great. And then I, I got one. I, I haven't figured out how to summarize this story, but I just recently got one that, um, his widow had, who's also the prime suspect in the murder. And she had brought it to Nashville to try and sell it, thinking she'd get more dough because, of Lenny's cult following there. And mm-hmm. anyway, long story short, this friend of my dad's who's passed away, Terry Wedding, he was in the second film. You would have seen him. Mm-hmm. He, uh, she called him and he knew that, that she was, was guilty, uh, of taking Lenny's life. And, but he sort of played her and, and said, sure, you know, let's, let's meet for coffee. Well, you know, where are you staying? So he strategically met this woman for coffee near her motel and they, they were talking, and he excused himself and snuck out to the motel, kicked in the door, and grabbed the guitar and put it in his trunk. <laughs> really? <laughs> Bless his heart. Oh He's crazy enough to do that. <laughs> but he said, he said, this was my idol. And his yeah. guitar was with this wicked person who took his life. And and so he he had the guitar for years. And then when he passed away, I I got in touch with his girlfriend who said, oh, yeah, you should have it. And by uh, this time, she was in Chicago. So my business partner and I actually flew to Chicago and picked up this Tom Holmes I wonder if guitar. that's the one that's on the cover of the, this record. That's Tom Holmes. Uh, I don't think so. I think he made two or three oh, for okay. Lenny. We talked about that. I just was in Nashville not long ago, too, and I toured his his place. And, and it's interesting because Tom Holmes only made guitars for uh, Bo Diddley, Billy... Is it Billy Gibbons? Is that Billy Gibbons it? from ZZ Billy Top? Billy Gibbons, yeah. yeah. I know all the jazz guitar players with the rockers. I struggle some of that history. I don't know. So him and then uh, um, and Lenny. So those three guitar players. So we joked. He's got every genre there. He's got the jazz guy and the rock guy and the blues guy, and those are the only three guitar players that he uh, he built guitars for. Now he just does pickups, apparently. Yeah, uh, that's an amazing story. Well, I'm glad you yeah. ended up with it again. That's. Uh... <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> oh, awesome. That's a hell of a story. Yeah. And, and yeah. Uh, kudos to uh to Terry, you know. That's a pretty ballsy thing to do. Ballsy but. and crazy for being ballsy and crazy <laughs> enough to do it. But it's it's a poetic justice. I mean, it's it came back to me, which is amazing. Yeah. Know? Yeah. It's yeah. in good hands. Else 
else you want to talk about? I mean, the movie kind of says it all, folks. You just got to check out the movie, both of them, but the new one, especially Genius of Lenny Bro Remembered. I almost feel like I have to give a bit of an introduction to that one in that it's not slickly produced. It's sort of a tapestry of, you know, because there's outtakes from the first film and all we could locate was the time coded. I noticed that. I figured there was a reason for it. Well, that's all we could find. So for some reasons, I don't know what happened. My co-producers were in Toronto and, and, you know, the masters got misplaced, which is a total drag. But the content is so strong. So I think despite the fact that some of the footage is, you know, not great quality, you know, and then there's the newer um, interviews that Tom Bresch shot, who's Merle Travis's son, (laughs) which is interesting Mm. because Merle was an influence on my dad. And then Tom and I ended up working together. He lives in Nashville. So the stuff he shot is pristine and perfectly lit and beautiful. But then there's this other stuff that's, you know, so I almost feel apologetic about it. But then people are saying nobody cares because the content is so strong. It's Lenny. Nobody cares. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you have have Steve Vai and Ted Green talking about your dad. It's like, I don't care about a time code. It doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah, I mean, it, it actually looks a little artsy, actually. So, um, there you go. It's <laughs> good. I hope everybody feels like you do. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Well, thanks, Emily, for uh, for chatting. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited mm-hmm. to to hear hear this when it's done. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> and put hopefully this together. everything's okay. Of course. I've had lots of coffee today. Have I talked too much? I guess I'm no. We to can talk. keep talking if you want. I I just you know. <laughs> It's like well, only I, if you can think of anything else. I remember years ago, I worked with this guitar player named Harold Bradley. He was a guest on my podcast. And Harold was, he's arguably the most recorded guitar player in history in Nashville. He worked with Chet Atkins. He played on Patsy oh, Cline's wow. Crazy. He played on all these famous, famous things. And he knew your dad. And years oh, ago, okay, when no. I was in my early 20s, I worked with Harold. And... Uh, and he mentioned Lenny Bro, and I said, wow, did you work with Lenny Bro, Harold? And he said, well, I was going to produce some things on him, and it didn't work out. And, uh, and I asked him about what happened, and he goes, I don't like to talk about Lenny. And he just kind of cut me off. <laughs> so wow. I never really asked him about it again, and that was, um, you know, that was a long time ago. And, uh, but he, you know, he loved him. He was just, just all these things that I guess now they're coming out, and you know, now – Hopefully is more he, people. Is he still with us? He's still he... with us. He's 93, 93 or 94. What's his name? Harold Bradley. He, he, you can listen to his episode was about three episodes ago on my podcast. I'm going to go look for it. I, that is so bizarre because I've great shot guy. in Nashville so many times. He's a great guy. Wow. He's a gentleman and he's last of a, you know, just that, that era of like Chet and Harold. You know, they're just gentlemen. They were like amazing musicians and they were there in the heyday, you know, and... Uh, yeah. Well, that whole dynamic's interesting. Lenny in Nashville, you know, that fascinates me. Because um, he certainly wasn't a candidate for the good old boys club, right. like the biographer said, you know. Because he, you know, and sometimes he would lock horns in terms of, you know, his political views and stuff. You know, like he was really compassionate about the plight of the Native Americans and, and you know, and, and you know, he was in the Deep South. Right. Right. Especially back then. And so then. sometimes... Yeah, so sometimes, you know, pe- people found him a little odd, and he liked to dress, you know, pretty out there, and and so he was in a pretty conservative neck of the woods, but but again, you know, just no no boundaries, so as soon as people heard him, they were just blown away, and 
his quirks didn't really mean anything once they heard him play, you know? Yeah. But yeah, still, I, but... I, I saw one, one thing where on the movie where he got a, maybe it was the the first documentary where uh, I guess Chet, you know, going into Nashville with Chet recommending you for, for things. He probably tried to hook him up with sessions and things that he probably not necessarily was into. What was it? Kenny Rogers or something. He didn't show up for the yeah, session. Yeah, Somebody, somebody just told me about that. Yeah. Yeah. And so who knows? I mean, he might've just been a mess or he, it might've been subconscious that he just wasn't super excited about doing it. Yeah. Cause I think if it was a session with maybe somebody he was more excited about, he would have made sure <laughs> he would have made sure to be there. Yeah. I mean, in my opinion, there's very few players on that level, like genius level or, or just not even genius, but a really original player like that to be able to, um, I don't want to say dumb down cause that's not right, but you know, play yeah. simple parts and make things really basic. I mean, Brent Mason can do it, you know, but, um, there's not a lot of guys like, like your dad, who is a, a pioneer that could play on a commercial recording session and, and do both things. I mean, it just doesn't, it's just not put together like that, you know, thank yeah. God. Cause we wouldn't yeah. have all these records he did <laughs> and brent is in brent is in the, the second film and that whole thing was a trip like nashville and i had never been exposed to you know the music role kind of you know we you know go and play sort of this paint by number stuff and then we listen to jazz in between because that's what we really love <laughs> right you know and i remember hearing this story from a friend of brent's there that he had done I don't know, two commercial country sessions that week. And he was saying, oh, shit, I played the same solo on both, you know. And I thought, wow, that's, I, I just couldn't relate to it. You know, just growing up in a jazz household, I, I thought, wow, that's like a factory mentality yeah. or something, you know. And then I thought, well, that audience probably won't even notice. No, they don't the notice or solo. care. And yeah. 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 It's just a whole different mentality. And it's not, you know, it's not necessarily bad or inferior or it's just, a whole different mentality a whole different way of thinking yeah. um than than the way lenny thought you know sure sure yeah well thank god he didn't get into that because we wouldn't have had the the innovative but those guys stuff. those guys can pay their mortgage so <laughs> they can pay their mortgage but i can't imagine hearing a you know uh, i mean maybe you know maybe he would have done some little some uh, harmonic flourishes on the end of, you know, Kenny Rogers, the gambler or something back in the day. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. Well, he, he turned down Tony <laughs> Bennett, too, which would have been a lucrative gig, long-term lucrative. Really? Yeah, yeah. He he wanted Lenny to play. And, and then later he had second thoughts. It's funny. And he, I can't remember who he called, John Knowles or somebody, and said, like, do you have Tony Bennett's number? Wow. <laughs> he, he was broken having second thoughts, you know, months later. <laughs> That one could have actually worked if he would have just maybe just tailored just a hair towards Tony. He could have been his right-hand guy, you know. I could see that, you know, like like Ella yeah. Fitzgerald yeah. or Joe Pass or something. Yeah, no kidding. Would have been a little more up his alley anyway. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but, yeah, it's, you know, it's a shame. It's, you know, now that I'm in my 40s, I used to think, like, when he died, I was 15, and I remember thinking, well, 43, that's not bad. <laughs> And now I'm thinking that's so young and guitar players still have so much to say. And uh, it usually just gets better, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's it's heartbreaking because I wonder what he'd be doing now. And you know? Well, he's probably up there trading licks with Chet right now, you know. Yeah. 
That's, yeah. that's the way you could think of it that way. Who knows? I try, I, mean, I try to. I try to think of it that way, but I, yeah, it, it don't, I only find it so comforting. And then it's like, mm. so I, my belief system, I don't know if I, what I'm subscribing to at this point, but I, I do know that uh, the, the beauty outweighs the darkness. So yeah. there's a lot of dark issues, but the beautiful music and, and the fact that he's still influencing, you know, 18 year old players is very cool. So he's living on in that sense. Sure. Know? And through YouTube, I mean, a lot of people are checking it out again. And uh, Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. One of the blessings of the internet. It's a lot of curses, but there's a few blessings. And You know, one thing I didn't ask you about, your mom was a... Um, a famous jazz singer and i think there's a there's a scene in the first documentary of your your mom and dad playing together is that correct yeah uh it's kind of cool lenny was the guitar player in the house band there was these really hip black and white music variety shows shot in winnipeg in the 60s and uh, lenny was in the house band and uh, and they gave him quite a bit of freedom. I think that's why it worked. I believe he he did that for about three years. Um, and um, then my mom was hired on as a backup singer. And so yeah, that's that's where they met. And then I don't know if the gig ended or they just left, but they ended up going to Toronto together, where there was a pretty healthy jazz scene. And that's where I was born in '68. So they. Um, yeah, they had a really beautiful connection musically and actually a, a, a really great uh, relationship until they started getting into, into hard drugs and then everything kind of fell apart. But, but they reconciled a few times over the years and I'm thankful for that. So, you know, because those are the memories I have of him is, you know, when they'd get back together and he'd, oh, he'd be at the house. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Shane. Yeah, absolutely. If you're ever down in New Orleans or, I mean, I live in New York, New York part-time too, or I don't know, maybe Canada someday, you know, maybe we'll meet somewhere. Um, oh, I didn't know you lived in New York. So I was just there la- last month or the month before, April, I was there. Were you, in, in New were York? You no, in New Orleans. Oh, yeah, yeah, New Orleans, yeah. I'm I'm from here and I have a house here and live most of my life here. But um, wow. I've been what living Wow, what a great, in, great place. Yeah, it's... it's uh, it's got its ups and downs, but it's it's beautiful. Real melting pot. It's cool yeah. though. Yeah. All right. Okie dokie. Thank you again, Emily. Okay. For, Good to chat, Shane. Yeah. Okay. And um, take you care. Guys check out this. Let me know when it. So you just you you'll give me a heads up when oh, it's yeah, done. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll I'll post. Okay, I'll, cool. I'll send it to you and everything, and it's on you know Podbay and Stitcher and iTunes and all that. And um. Oh wow. Yeah, I, I don't know okay. how many people make me, listen to make it. Make me sound good. Oh, yeah. Make me sound, sound good. Great. <laughs> of course. Okay. All right. Okay, Thank great. You, Emily. Thanks, Shane. Bye-bye. Okay, okay, bye. All right, if you're still here, thanks so much for, uh, for checking out this episode. Talking about the great Lenny Bro. I loved chatting with Emily. And, uh, you know, really cool to find out the inside story on her dad and his life. And also, check out LennyBro.com, the genius of Lenny Bro. The movies, and um, I love you guys coming to iTunes and um, stopping by and leaving me a great comment or rating. It really helps the podcast move up. It's the only thing I ask. I welcome your comments and um, look forward to next episode. Thanks for listening.